Well, welcome to another edition of Clarksville's Conversation. And Katie, I'm really excited. We've got a very distinguished uh, group of guests with us today. And they've been working on this project downtown on Public Square. And the cool part is I get to look out at F&M Bank every day and see what they're doing down there. So if you want, you introduce them and let's find out what they're working. Well, this group of ladies is part of a steering committee called the Tennessee Triumph Steering Committee. And I'm not going to get into everything they've done yet because I want to like hold some as a surprise. But, you know, Ellen Canervo and Brenda Harper have co-chaired this committee. And Rosalind Carita, um, who needs no introduction, was in charge of fundraising. And Condra, you were on that committee as well. And I think there were some other ladies on there as well. Do you guys want to mention their names for us since they can't be with us today? Would somebody introduce well, actually, there are about 20 of us. Um, so oh, I, okay. Well, wow. Quite a large group. Mention everybody. Well, but it, it takes a, it took a lot of people to make this happen so quickly because turning around a project like this isn't something you normally do just in a few years, and you guys did it pretty quickly. So before we get into the actual Tennessee Triumph, because we know this, we're getting ready to celebrate the anniversary of women's suffrage on August 15th. What is the year? This will be the 100th anniversary. Oh, wow. So we actually have only, women have only been able to vote in these United States of America for 100 years, as hard as that is to believe. That is hard to believe. Yes. So will one of you share the history of why Tennessee played such a significant role in the women's, getting women's suffrage, getting women able to vote? Going ahead. Ahead. <laughs> I, read it, I read that you did a lot of research on it. I'll give it a shot and y'all fill in the pieces I'll leave out. I'm sure I will, I will not get every little bit of it. But uh, most of us who have lived in Tennessee a long time, much less grown up here, have heard Tennessee called the perfect 36. Maybe not everybody knew that was the reason, but at the time that this was occurring, it took uh, 36 states to ratify any amendment to uh, modify the Constitution. So when the uh, United States Congress finally got around to that point, and there's a huge history before that that we probably don't have to go into. Let me just make a little side that the first very official efforts to start trying to achieve voting rights for women began 72 years earlier than 1920. It took that long of relentless effort in which the women who began it, with very few exceptions, were not still alive when it was finally accomplished. But in um, the period we're talking about, there was an effort to have universal equal suffrage for women. Now, in those intervening years, some states had started offering uh, suffrage to women in various degrees. It was just a checkerboard across the nation where some women could vote in specific elections, but this was to make it equal and universal for the entire country. So at, at that moment in time, um, Tennessee, because of a, a number of variables, was in the position to be the only state that that summer could have accomplished the ratification of the amendment. We already had a significant number of states, 35 at that point, that had ratified the amendment. We had another group of states that either had already 
voted on it and rejected it or had made it very clear they weren't going to consider it within a reasonably foreseeable time frame. So there was a lot of pressure at that moment in time to try to get it over the finish line before the next election, the next large presidential election, which was going to be in November of 1920. So at that point, when the when it looked like Tennessee, the governor of Tennessee was willing to call in a special convention, reconvene the state legislature to vote on it. And he also had a few other issues. That wasn't the only thing on their agenda. Uh, that was the single opportunity for ratification to be accomplished that year. And that made Tennessee the hot spot, the national battleground for the suffrage issue for the entire country in that summer of 1920. Yeah, quite important stuff did I leave out of that a little bit. Well, somebody needs to tell the story of Harry Byrne. <laughs> Is that go ahead, Ellen? <laughs> Harry, Byrne, Ellen. Nice turners. Harry Byrne supposedly said all along he was not going to uh, uh, support the amendment. They thought he was going to vote against it. The people, the, uh, the House thought they had the votes to kill it. And at the last minute, he had a letter from his mom saying, Harry, be a good boy and help uh, yeah. carry a cat. And, uh, and so he was a good boy and helped and he voted for it. Uh, there was another fellow, um, uh, bang, uh, uh, me. Turner. Tur okay, uh, so there were two people that they thought were gonna vote against it, who at the last minute voted for it, and we can now vote. Wouldn't, what that, be, wouldn't that be an amazing piece of history if someone could get their hands on that letter? Oh, they have the letter. They have they it do? in the archives, yeah. yes. Oh, wow, that's awesome. And to just uh, add to the beauty of the moment, uh, in reality, that happened in our existing state capitol, in the House of Representatives, where we as citizens can go at any time and be in that room. And when it happened, um, the anti-suffragists wore red roses and those who were for suffrage, the symbol was the yellow rose. And when Harry Byrne cast his vote, the women in the balcony, and just note that they had to be in the balcony, they couldn't possibly sit anywhere else. They tore up their roses and threw their yellow petals down on the members of the House of Representatives. So it was a beautiful, moving moment. I had never heard that piece of it, but that is a, uh, that is that's something that somebody should put in art, like in a picture or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that's a good idea. That and one of the things to be aware of, as is often the case still, you know, there's a lot of maneuvering, lobbying. I mean, there were so many forces at work for and against suffrage, things that you would not think would be connected with it. Uh, the railroad industries were against it. it. It was just many, many, many different things. So that the other thing that was going on is that there were all these frenetic activities of trying to persuade the legislators and a lot of this was happening at the hermitage hotel which of course is very close to the, to the capitol building and they would just have all kinds of different events and this is during prohibition but they would have supposedly 
you know, this appears to be true, they would have all these kind of underground liquor-based events. So the liquor lobby was very much against suffrage. The, any industry that used child labor was against suffrage. There were just a lot of heavy hitters that were against it. And so there was profound efforts on both sides trying to sway these legislatures. Legislators, they were under intense pressure. And the rumor is, I don't know how true it is, is that Harry Byrne had always privately said if it came down to his vote making the difference, he would vote for suffrage. But meanwhile, he had at many opportunities he had voted with the anti-suffragists. There were complicated maneuverings, like early, before that actual vote, they did a vote to table the bill. And if that had happened, it wouldn't have come to a vote in time for anything to happen. And Harry Byrne, at that moment, voted with the anti-suffragists, and it was only Banks-Turner who kept that from happening. So if Banks-Turner hadn't voted how he did on that tabling motion, then Harry Byrne would not have been the hero of the next day. So it's a Welcome, complicated, it's so interesting Hi, story. Pam. Welcome, Pam. I don't think she hears us yet. Oh, the audio yeah. now. There she is. Um, so why don't we start with Tennessee Triumph? Why don't y'all start in the beginning and tell us how did this this project come to be? How did this little spark turn into something so big? You need to know to begin with, Tennessee Triumph wasn't the beginning. It begins way before Tennessee Triumph, but I don't know if you have time to, you may not want to start at the beginning. beginning. There's been a group called the 2020 Vision, um, uh, women who have been meeting at uh, Smith Treherd, and they invited Paula Casey, uh, who was uh, important in the Nashville Monument and uh, the uh, Jackson Monument, and she's working on one in Memphis, anyway, to speak. And uh, Brenda and I were in the audience, and when it was over, she was telling us about a, a woman's suffrage heritage trail. And Brenda and I looked at each other, and we said, well, Clarksville needs to be on that trail. And uh, so, <laughs> so we said, well, we don't know whether we can raise the money or not, but we can get people together. And uh, we, we knew that there's a statue in Knoxville that took 10 years to raise the money. Right. Uh, but, but we found Rosalind. <laughs> And uh, and we're going to have the unveiling. So the Suffrage Heritage Trail, it's it's from Knoxville, Nashville, Jackson, Memphis, and now Clarksville, correct? Chattanooga yes. also. Who where? Chattanooga has something okay. at the end. Yeah. And did you so say are each, of, are each of these communities doing statues in honor of women's suffrage? Is that the I've not been able to find Chattanooga's uh, monument, but they have committed to doing one. And Some I don't kind of public know art. Is, what's that? Some kind of public art. I don't know for sure it's a statue, but some public some, art. And I don't know, is Memphis's finish finished? I think no, it's still. No, it's not. It, it's not okay. finished. Memphis is delayed. So unveiling till next year, next March or something like that because of the pandemic. Okay. So when is the when is the Suffrage Heritage Trail supposed to be up and running? Do y'all have that any idea on that? It is it's up and al running. It's already up, and there's okay. a, a website. If you uh, Google uh, Tennessee Heritage Suff Woman Suffrage, it, it comes up. 
And there are a couple of sites in Clarksville where Clarksville had the first um, uh, Equal Suffrage League uh, meeting on Madison Street. And um, then uh, the, the statue will be there and there may be a few other sites of, of connections with woman suffrage. And that's true across the state. The, the things on the trail are not only the statues, but there are other significant locations. And some of them are like a grave site of a suffragist or the okay. home of a suffragist. <laughs> Why did y'all choose the location you chose for this Tennessee Triumph statue? Roslyn? Well, it was a combination of things, really. Uh, we, we looked at different sites, and there were a number of different reasons. Uh, Kim McMillan really liked the idea of having it in public square, and it just it just seemed to fit. It seemed like it was the right place. Uh, the courthouse obviously could have been a place. Uh, election commission, it just worked. It just fit. Mm -hmm. And um, I have to really compliment Sammy Stewart with F&M Bank because Sammy was the first person that I went to with this vision of putting a real significant monument. And Sammy absolutely said he committed $25,000 on the spot. And, you know, it, it just, it gave us what we needed in terms of really grounding it and knowing that we could do it. Uh, so it was the right spot. It just felt right. And I think Pam can speak to that site too. Uh, Pam Powell, I want y'all to know, is our architect and she has donated her time and her energy. We could have never done this project without her. And Pam, I mean, she brought something to this none of us had. Pam, tell them, tell them some of the things you've done. Yeah, I was gonna ask about the design, so this is perfect timing, Pam. Awesome. Well, we the site was selected and it's sort of the end of a circular, circular peninsula. Uh, for um, Public Square. So we looked at the other monuments that are in that location um, and decided that we needed a circular monument so that the statue, the monument would be able to be visible from multiple directions. Um, and it just kind of gives a real focus because it's at the end of the end of the median, end of that little area. Um, I think it's a fantastic location. The banks on one side, city halls on the other side, parks and rec. Um, and the monument itself sort of faces you as you come to the end of Franklin Street. So, you know, th the whole thing is a combination of um, different materials. Um, the look of it's kind of got some industrial look, but also very old fashioned with the bronze statue. Um, it's all kind of come together with the, the guys who installed it. They've done a fantastic job, um, very professional. So it kind of took the whole team, the construction team, the planners, uh, the, you know, the rainmakers, the people who donated. It's become a great thing. The bricks make it. I don't know if you guys had talked about this, but something that so many different people can be involved with donating to. So I'm very excited to see it all come together on Saturday when we unveil it. So if somebody wants to buy one of those bricks, who do they contact and how do they do so? Ellen, do you want to? <laughs> 
we thought we were going to have to cut them off at 400. We did not want to sell more bricks than we had space for. Uh, but the uh, Pam and the installers have looked at the site and they believe we can pull some blank bricks up and sell about 50 more. Okay. Um, they need to contact Arts and Heritage. Uh, that's uh, uh, artsandheritage at cdelightband.net. Um, or look at the Tenny Facebook page. Let us know there. Um, we'll send out word after the unveiling. And we think we can uh, put about 50 more in. Um, they're $100 for a 4 by 8 brick. And, the, and for that, you get three lines. Each line is 30 characters. Do the next 50 have to all be the 4 by 8 or is the 8 by 8 still available? I, I think we're going to make it simple to install since it's already laid out and simpler for me to uh, get the information. It's just going to be the uh, 4 by 8 Well, I would love one of those bricks. I will contact you with information. I yep. would love one of those bricks. Very fast. Yeah. yeah, I would love one. You know, talking about the bricks, I, I think this is one of the areas where we have an opportunity to really show what a local endeavor this was. Brenda Harper spent months researching the people who were our original suffragists that lived in Clarksville. I mean, I can't tell you the time she's put into this. Me neither. But <laughs> no idea. She has the names of 39 women who were local Clarksvillians who to this day have relatives who live in this town. And many, their names, every one of them, all 39 that we absolutely document are on a plaque at the statue. So it's so home. It's not just a, a state uh, piece of history. It's very local, real people that still have um, their loved ones walking around. So it's a very uh, moving and personal. And uh, again, Brenda's research has been so invaluable. She discovered that the first two women to register to vote were two African-American women. She has not been able to find their names. We are hopeful uh, that we can find them at some point. Haven't given up. Oh, I think we know they were 51 and 53 years old. I think those were the ages. <laughs> Why yeah. they so their family the could still be around their names. Mm -hmm. For those who, who did the painting, Brooklyn? Who did the painting that we? The Allison Line. Allison Line did a, a painting of painting. her image of those two women yes. climbing the steps of the courthouse, looking up, and there are about five white men looking back down at them. And we it think what courage it took. Right. That's the exact the word I thought of is courage. That took so much courage. And, Kendra, and for those who are on Facebook, I have that. And we've, we've been asking the, the uh, African-American community, black historians in Clarksville, for anyone who may know family members, who look, we are researching churches. And the goal is to find the names of those two women. And uh, Ellen, I would ask that we might save two bricks and not sell out. So in case we find them, great find idea. Them, yeah. That we yeah. would be able to at least, you know, the, the, we may not be able to add them to the to the wall, but we can at least add those two bricks. That's and really good idea. I'm confident we're going to like it. Yeah. You know, if I were those family members too, I would want a copy of that painting. Well, yeah. I, I mean, think we need a copy of it here in Clarksville. I think we need to buy the painting for Clarksville 
if we have any pennies uh, left after all the trip. Where is it at? Where's the painting at right now? Has offered, Bebo's has offered to buy it for the election commission. So oh, great. I think that's we'll get it. Oh, that's long. wonderful. Yeah, the artist still has it now, but I don't know if she has prints available or if it's just the one painting. I don't know about that. But I don't think yes, So yeah. we'll so, talk about uh, some Rod, Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, why don't you talk to us a little bit? Because you kind of spearheaded the dedication and the parade and the unveiling, which is all happening this weekend, right? Can you talk to a little bit about what to expect and how people can participate? Well, um, the first thing I'd like to mention is if you plan to participate, please wear a mask uh, and social distance because this is uh, a real world that we live in and we have to make sure that everybody is safe. Um, I anticipate that depending on the weather, we will have some folks come. Um, and, you know, we just don't have any idea. We could have 30 or we could have 330. Uh, but we are asking people to wear white, wear a, wear a sash. It uh, doesn't have to be a period costume, but wear white to honor the suffragists. And we're going to meet at the courthouse and we are going to have some music as we march up Franklin Street and we will get in the groove of feeling like suffragists. And when we uh, approach the, sat the uh, area, we've got a couple of speakers. We have one particular uh, surprise speaker who is going to talk a little bit about suffrage and then the major donors, those folks who really, really provided the finances to make this happen, will unveil our fabulous monument. And she really is Tennessee's triumph. And then um, people can take selfies and look at the bricks and we'll just have a wonderful, grand feeling day. So what day is this all taking place? This is this coming Saturday, August the 15th, and people can meet at the courthouse in their mask. Which, by the way, if you people didn't catch that, August 15th is the 100th anniversary of women's suffrage. No, the 18th. It actually is the 18th. Okay, but, I thought uh, you said earlier. Saturday, Saturday is a Saturday. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> There are really several anniversaries. The 18th yeah. is the day it was signed in the Tennessee okay. legislature. The 26th is considered the National Women's uh, Suffrage Day, because that's when the Secretary of State signed it to make it part of the Constitution. And on the 18th, the two mayors have issued a proclamation for all of us to ring bells in support of women's suffrage at noon on the 18th. The church bells are going to ring and individuals can ring. So we will celebrate on the uh, anniversary of Tennessee's ratification. It's just a whole month of celebration then, right? Yes. We're, make, we're making it a whole year. The virus has so interrupted so many of the things we plan to do that we're not going to stop celebrating and commemorating in August. We're going to keep going as long as anybody lets us. I do want to say one more thing about our statue. If anybody mentioned this, I, I missed it, so I apologize. But our statue is unique compared to all the other ones that we know of in that she is deliberately intended not to represent any one of our women. She represents all of them. She's she just uh, intended to be so that anyone can see 
their family member their uh, themselves in a different time period there. We know there were at least 39 women. Well, actually, we know there were so many more. There were 65 for sure at one moment in time in the organization. It existed <clears throat> over multiple years. So there's so many of these women that we don't know. We'll never know their names. Um, but we have named the ones we can. We may find some more. I hope we do. But meanwhile, she represents all of them, whether we know their names or not. Awesome. Is there anything that we have missed that you, any of you ladies would like to share? Because I know you've worked really hard on this project. You know, it was the kind of project that uh, we've all served on boards where you have to ask people to help you. This wasn't like that. This was uh, the, the minute that the idea um, kind of surfaced, so many people came together and, and brought their unique skill set. I mean, like Pam Powell as an architect to bring that skill set to this project. And look what Brenda has. And, you know, different, everybody brought what they can do. And it really was a team. And it was in the spirit of, I, I think, the whole suffrage movement. It was about equality and fairness. Condra has been fairly quiet, but I want to say that she headed up our public relations committee, our marketing committee, and I think she's a major reason that a lot of people in Clarksville are excited about this project. Well, I appreciate what? that. You know, you, anyone who knows me and knows me well knows I'm a behind the scenes kind of character, but it's amazing from my, my current office position to watch the people just kind of circle, people who come through downtown, even before the unveiling, looking at the bricks, looking for names. So I think it will become a major attraction for not only Clarksville, but for, uh, you know, not only for out of, out of town visitors, but for Clarksvillians as well. And then the part of the museum that um, the um, maquette will be in permanent residence in the museum, correct? Yes, yes. And we did need to mention that there is an exhibit going on at the museum right now. Did we say that already? Uh, no. There's a, an exhibit that's on, is it, it's all of August, all of September. Does it continue into October as well? Yes. I couldn't What's remember the dates that Brian wanted, but I know it's up currently. Yes, the whole, the whole gallery. So that's something that, that people shouldn't miss. And one other thing I, I just want to add that I think it's an important element is first of all, the, the seeds of this began five years ago when you know most people would go, well, that's so long. I mean, this is too soon. Well, we learned it wasn't too soon. And one of the things we started out doing, the 2020 Vision Group, is just trying to spread the word, make people aware, because especially younger women, they just have no comprehension of how recently it was that women had so few rights, including voting rights. So that during that time period, there have been innumerable programs, events, activities, just spreading the general word, raising community awareness about this anniversary, why it's important. And the, the rewards of that have been profound. We have so many people who supported this statue by giving $5 here, $10 there, buying a fundraising cookbook that we created that the money all went to the statue. It has been you know, truly a community supported effort, like nothing we, we could ever hope to have seen. 
seen happen. It's just really, it's been so rewarding. Well, ladies, I think you're all amazing. I think that taking a project from the beginning to end, uh, it takes a lot of work, a lot of collaboration, and like you said, a lot of different talents. And um, I think you should be proud of the legacy that you've left because you've left a legacy that generations will get to enjoy. So I'm going to take my kids down there. So thank you, ladies, for taking this project on and making a difference in our community. Thank you. Subscribe to Clarksville's Conversation wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss out on a single conversation.